Wrestling has more than one royal family. You want the guy to beat you seven years ago? That guy's gone. He's dead. This guy is much worse. What was it you said, Seth? I got bitter while you got better? Let's analyze that, Seth. Let's go back in time. SummerSlam 2016. Torn labrum, torn bicep tendon, torn pec tendon, and a fractured glenoid socket. And I still beat you. I could hardly raise my arm to lift the title as I became the first ever universal champion for 22 hours. Injury upon injury upon injury, I was forced, forced to relinquish the championship. But that's not where our problems lie, Seth, no. As I relinquished the championship, at my lowest point, you walked out and you laughed. You laughed in my face. You laughed out of jealousy. You laughed out of spite. And you rubbed salt in the already open wounds. And that is something that I will never forget. You say, I got bitter. No, I didn't get bitter, Seth. You made me bitter. And that bitterness, that bitterness is all I have now. While you, you have it all. Seth freaking Rollins. They worship the ground you walk on. They love your ridiculous outfits and they sing your stupid song. But guess what? None of that matters to me. The only things that matter to me are vengeance and the World Heavyweight Championship. At Money in the Bank, after seven long years, after everything you took from me, I'm gonna take it all back. And the only song you're gonna hear is the ringing in your ears as both my arms are raised as the new world heavyweight champion. And that's it. And that's gonna be a bitter, bitter pill for you to swallow. Breath I need 
Gentlemen, welcome to episode 367 of the Hoots Podcast. It's your boy Josh. We're recording this bad boy on a Thursday, June 29, 2023. The countdown, the road to 400 episodes continue. We are 33 episodes away from reaching that benchmark. Thanks and greetings and salutations to everybody that's checking this out, whether it's on video, what, audio, what, on Spotify. What? Here on YouTube? What? Whatever you do, just do two quick favors. Like and subscribe here on our YouTube channel. And also, if you are an audio listener, make sure to uh, uh, share the link through Spotify to help expand the reach of the show. And we're also trying to qualify uh, for some ambassador ads. We're not going <laughs> to run away from that. But um, I appreciate the support, everybody. Um, the crazy world of professional wrestling never stops, and I'm here to discuss that with you. But also, this is not just a wrestling podcast. It's a live podcast. I want you guys to feel like I'm sitting next to you in the back porch saying we're just shooting the shit 
about life and maybe I can make you laugh and share some life advice uh, along the way. And uh, enjoy the world of professional wrestling where I don't have to make you feel dumb for being a wrestling fan. And also, at the same time, try to act like my shit don't stink. <laughs> That's kind of the gist of the show. And um, just very proud and grateful for the fact that we've been able to uh, keep a stronghold uh, with this platform for the last seven years. And that's that's thanks to each and every single one of you who make this show uh, what it is. So I appreciate the love, everybody. Um, and I'm, I'm just very happy right now, you know. Uh, very blessed to come on here and uh, talk wrestling with you guys. Also, very blessed for what I have here at the new apartment. And everything's been going well so far in that transition phase. Uh, taking care of some things working on a bigger project, and more more importantly, uh, just as I'm in this transition phase, uh, really just really focusing on myself uh, for the first time in a long time, and um, really I have no distraction, no qualms about anything, nobody's like bringing me down, I'm not sad about anything, I'm like really happy and just focusing on me, and uh, I, I know a lot of us could get tied down on our work schedule or things that happen in our life from like big events or whatever. But at the same time, um, it's very important to be cognizant and have that balance to where you are focusing on yourself because that saying is true. Uh, you can't expect anybody to love you if you don't love yourself. You can't expect uh, any movement or progress uh, within your life if you're not doing that yourself and you're not focusing on you. If you're not happy, <laughs> uh, nothing else really matters at the end of the day. And I'm really just honing in on that and just – Everything I'm doing right now within my life right now, obviously, it's, I'm doing things that shouldn't have to be said. Obviously, I still love my family. I'm very grateful for the support they've been giving me, uh, especially since uh, the moves went down. I have a great support system. But a lot of that should just be part of your life. Like, I don't have to promote it. It should be something that has to be promoted. Like, appreciate the support system you have because you never know when that goes away. We're not guaranteed uh, tomorrow so i'm very i'm beyond <laughs> grateful uh for the support system i have here but more importantly you know just focus on you you know do things for you don't do it to try to impress anybody do whatever you need to do to make yourself happy and uh, i hope everybody's in good spirits and remind yourself to you know just take things one day at a time if you're bogged out by work if something's not going your way if you're getting frustrated by people not responding to your applications, I've been there. Trust me, I feel that. I feel that frustration. Um, but um, brighter things are to come. And just remember, folks, just take it one day at a time. That's all we have control over. So, with that being said, we got a lot to discuss this week. Uh, we got a, a pay per view to uh, predict, as it is Money in the Bank in London, England. We'll be doing that this week at WWE. Uh, of course, I got to review what happened at Forbidden Door, uh, AW's uh, New Japan uh, prop up event <laughs> in Toronto, Canada. I got to uh, check that out and what the hell's wrong with AW. And um, yeah, <laughs> another mother, another dish, shoulder shrug edition of Dynamite, I guess we have to discuss as well. But um, with that being said, let's start things off as we usually do here with the podcast of Hoots. That is. The Backports Q&A session. If you want to participate in the Backports Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. And also, for those who are watching or listening, if you want to help sponsor the show, you can reach us out at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. That would be deeply appreciated. Anyways, 
throw up the X, ladies and gentlemen. I want to give a big shout out to the good brother Chris Letta for doing a great job on his debut of the Hoots podcast last week. I thought you did a fantastic job, brother, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out and wanting to be part of the show. And uh, you killed it, my man. Let's see what Chris has for us this week. What up, Boost? Here's the questions for the Q&A this week. Uh, number one, your favorite match from Forbidden Door. Okay. Um, my favorite match from the Forbidden Door pay-per-view for me was... Um, I, I know a lot of people are just going to go Omega and Osprey and how you cannot. But I want to do a little something different. This is going to shock some people. Uh, the 10-man tag team match was my favorite one. Only because uh, my guy Tomohiro Ishii, I think, had one of the best performances out of anybody on that pay-per-view uh, on Sunday. And he killed it. <laughs> uh, I've been beyond done with the Blackpool Cuckold Club and the uh, the wannabe elites uh, feud. Uh, it's overstaying. It's welcome. Now we're getting a blood and guts match because, of course, we are. <laughs> but the 10-man tag for me was my favorite one to watch, and uh, that was very, very good. Of course, I could go Omega and Osprey, but that's just going by default. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, who wins the briefcase? Uh, stay tuned. I'll let you know in the predictions. Um, does Drew McIntyre return on Sunday? Uh, that's a good question. It has to be under what circumstance, you know? Does somebody get laid out backstage, and then he... Uh, inserts himself in the Money to Bank ladder match, you never know. Let's say McIntyre lays out Nakamura backstage. People think it's Bronson Reed, but it's Drew McIntyre. Like, it's it's a possibility. I I'll just have to wait to see. I don't want to I don't want to fancy book myself into a shoe and then if something doesn't happen, oh, see the company they didn't do this the right way. <laughs> All of our opinions, we could think we could fancy book with the best of them. I think we have all the answers, but really, when it comes to the end of the day, you could think the greatest thing on earth, and then you see it happening, and then it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to happen. Then it's that, that you need to have that accountability with yourself. You're like, don't. <laughs> There's what I think should happen in fancy booking land, and then reality too. So uh, we need to uh, reevaluate some things as wrestling fans. Um, any title changes at Money in the Bank? No. I don't think a title will change. Uh, who is your pick for the G1 this year? Um, I'll go with Will Ospreay. When do you think we'll get Rhea and Becky after the small tease on Raw? If it's a SummerSlam match, cool. I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I think we'll get one more with Becky and Rhea. Um, I'll have to say probably the next pre-live event that's out of the country. I'm not sure when that is. Um, you know, maybe you can hold off Rhea and Becky for a match at the Royal Rumble next year. Um, it's a few I think we'll get into, but at the same time, I don't think you have to rush into it. And uh, you want to make the best out of the few because you can get two or three months out of that and uh, they can put on some good business there. So. It can happen. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if Becky wins the Money in the Bank ladder match first. Uh, just a thought, but ELP and NXT with this current roster, is that someone who you think we could jump in a, we could see jump in the future? Uh, possi- possibly. It just depends on what he wants. You know, we, We're in the era of wrestling now where people say that they're artists and they take more um, they, have, they put more of importance on 
their art and their character and their booking and all this other extra shit. They put that in a, pre- uh, a precipice more than other things in the business. And, hey, everybody has their own prerogative. People are in wrestling for their own different reasons. Uh, I, I've i always known since day one the uh, the main objective in wrestling is to uh, put asses in seats and draw money. But for other people, it's just, okay, let my art be what my selling point is. And that's the thing for him. And he feels like being part of AEW or WWE would bring down his momentum or his artistic flair, if you will. Then, you know, Fantasmo has his prerogative. I think he's a tremendous wrestler. I enjoy what he does in the ring. But it has to be for him. What does he want? What, what, what will make him happy? And if he wants to show up in NXT, I think he can have a good run down there. But, um... I want to thank you, Chris, for the questions this week. My man, you killed it as always. All right, let's go to the next set of questions here from the good brother Mike Rubio at Main Event Swerve. Let me take a quick swig of water. What? (laughs) Oh, man. Love me some water. The perks of being straight edge. All right, what up, Oops? It's been a busy week, but like you say, big things popping, little things stopping. Here's some questions for the back porch this week. What are your thoughts on two Indianapolis Colts players being caught gambling on their own team's running game and underperforming? Did they tank on purpose to get those stats, or do you think they bet on something else? Uh, I have no I'm not, I have no idea. What I do know is that both of those uh, gentlemen are honorary members of the Clown of the Week. I'll say that because that that's just stupid. You're making millions and millions and millions of dollars that anybody, even like myself, would wish we could have at a great platform like that, and you feel the need to gamble just to get more money as if you don't have enough as it is. And you know it's a rule. It's kind of the same thing with the weed stuff in the NFL. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to smoke weed. I know there's a lot of medical benefits that could come from it. But you you have to understand what you're signing up for. If you're not allowed to do performance enhancing drugs or smoking weed, whatever the situation, or even gambling, you got to understand what you're signing up for. So I have no sympathy for those guys, nor do I care the reason behind why they're gambling. You do what you're signing up for. I mean, goddamn, how much more money do you fucking need? <laughs> the, the, does common sense doesn't matter? Like, I, I, I need, I need more. I'm, I'm greedy. I'm making more money than anybody in my family will ever make in their entire life. But I, I just need more and more and more. I need more. <laughs> Both Isaiah Rogers and the other dude, you are clowns. Okay, big time clans. I would never understand that. You're making all the money on God's reader that people wish they could make in one lifetime, and you're throwing that away for freaking gambling. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, man. Anyways, let's go to the next question. <laughs> if you had to say, what league has the most illegal in league gambling on games? NFL, NBA, MLB, or something else? Uh, I'd probably say soccer. Um, that'd be my guess. Soccer or boxing? I wouldn't say the NFL, NBA, or MLB because more times than not, it's really more on fantasy football than it is just straight pure gambling. I'd probably say boxing and soccer is probably more enhanced in that field of just pure gambling. All right. 
What do you think about WWE making LA Knight beat Max and Priya on SmackDown because they thought he was too old to be a contender? Isn't AJ like 45 and going strong? Um, I saw a little bit about this rumbling around on Twitter. It's a story for me that I personally don't care about or have a thought one way or another on it. I think talent supersedes uh, their potential and the opportunities that are presented in front of them. And God forbid, <laughs> if the worst thing for LA Knight or Sean Rickard, if the worst thing for him is to be Max Dupree, I mean, God damn. Uh, man, I don't know how Stone Cold survived being the ringmaster. I mean, man, I got I got to feel feel sorry for the guy because he was named the ringmaster for five five or six months. Kind of the same thing here with Max Dupree. Like, holy shit, <laughs> man! <laughs> if, if people could survive Isaac Yanka, man, uh, Terra Rising, and the ringmaster, I mean, holy shit, man! I get it. You got a name for yourself in the indies and stuff like that, but the difference from viewing a professional wrestling for WWE compared to the NWA or Impact is like not even close. So you don't have people that know everything that you that you do. They don't know about your yeah and your dummies and let me talk to you. And that that's not an insult. That's just a fact of life. I love the guy, but there's this like strange thing in wrestling now with the fans where LA Knight can never lose a match. LA Knight has to be LA Knight. LA Knight can never do anything wrong. Like, I love the guy, but can we freaking pump the brakes a little bit? Like, holy shit. I get it. The guy has great charisma, and he t- he sounds like The Rock, and he has a cadence like Stone Cold. I'm a fan of the guy, but can we, like, pump the brakes a little bit? Now, whether or not the excuse of him being too old, I don't care. <laughs> these are, like, these are the type of things in wrestling as fandom I don't really care. Like, this is going back to what I said before about, like, the emphasis that people have so much on creative and booking. I'm not, I don't care about that stuff. I'm not responsible for what goes down behind the scenes. I don't need to know that shit. I observe from what I see on my television, and I speak from there. But that's just me. Um, next question. Who will have the show-stealing spot of the night in either Money to Bake matches, whether they win or not? I, I can see E.S. Shirai doing something pretty cool off the ladder to the outside, or I'm pretty sure Ricochet and Logan Paul will do something insane in that match, too, for the men. So I'd probably say EO, uh, Logan Paul, or Ricochet are going to do some do some damage in there. A, don't sleep on Santos Escobar. I won't say that he will win the Money in Big Ladder match, but Santos is very good at what he does in the ring, uh, and especially in hardcore matches. If you guys have seen him in his work in Lucha Underground as King Cuerno, don't sleep on the guy. The guy can put on uh, some really good performances. I think... This is a good uh, showcase match for him, especially in this uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, next one. After the Bloodline Civil War, what more do you think happens to this faction? Well, either we're going to get new members or Jay or Jimmy will have to step up and see if they could be the ones to pry the Universal Championship off of Roman Reigns. Um Anybody thinking that this pay-per-view is going to be the end of the bloodline, I I just don't see that. Uh, Roman is Thanos. I think Roman and Solo will probably win this match on Saturday. 
and I, I, I we're barely scratching the surface of where this story or this faction can go. Um, folks, filet mignon. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> filet mignon. We're not we're not even halfway done here with this story. Have you ever competed in a healthy wage or way better wager for weight loss before? I'm in a steps challenge for a share of five thousand now because why not? I've heard about that. I never really participated on that. I'm I'm currently doing my own project that I'm, that I'm just keeping to myself. That I'm doing it just for me. But I think that's pretty cool that people are doing uh, challenges, trying to get money out of it. I think that's productive. But no, I I never I never uh, competed in those type of things. But I have heard about the things that you're mentioning here. Uh, what do you think of food app deals and points reward? Is it a nice co- convenience or a temptation to keep eating more fast food? Um, it just depends on what the situation is for people. I mean, um, really, at the end of the day, it's really about um, what you're intaking and what you can have to survive. And I think that um, I'm in a different situation uh, than other people. I don't have kids. I'm not. I don't have a wife to pay for. Uh, my priorities right now more is just me focusing on me and bettering myself from a health standpoint. And for me, uh, you know, we could get in these traps and I'm not, I'm not used to this excuse. I'm owning up to it. Like, um, I think I, I've let myself go a little bit over the last year and a half or so. And I'm really just trying right now. My goal is to, um, kind of get back to where I was when I was playing, uh, high school football and, I have a certain goal that I want to reach and it's really big. But um, for me, uh, when it comes to like uh, the food delivery apps or DoorDash or whatever, uh, whatever the case is, I think is just about what you're intaking. That's not saying that I'm not, but for, for example, I'm not going like a full vegan route. That's just not me. I'm just being honest with you guys. I don't begrudge people that are, want to be vegan and healthy like that that's not that's not a bad thing i'm not knocking those type of people but for me and as i'm going through this process of doing like meal preps and stuff like that like i haven't drank any soda in a month i haven't ordered out any food in a month and um really right now my focus is just on bettering myself and really when it comes to food in general whether you're getting a lot of stuff from instacart it's just about what you're getting and it's important, you know, that you have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, people say you can do intermittent fasting, but if the only thing you're eating is like a big nasty meal from some restaurant that's not good for you, your intermittent fasting really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, so uh, I don't think there's one particular way to go about <laughs> bettering yourself from a health standpoint. Um, I, I have my own thing that I'm working on right now, but... In this process now, since I've moved uh, here in this new apartment, it's been going very well. And I'm very grateful for, uh, again, just the encouragement and support that, uh, especially my aunt, uh, my Titi Lucy, and my Uncle Jose have been helping me out, and my Wella. So I'm making sure that I'm having my meals. But um, it's really now about monitorizing what I intake and how much goes within each meal I eat. And stuff like that. And it's just a process, you know. I, I, I'm not really bogging my down trying to see. I'm not trying to bog myself down by trying to see immediate results. Because the what I'm shooting for is going to take a while to get there. 
but I already starting to feel a lot better than I was about this time two months ago, and I'm getting better sleep. Um, I'm just happy, and I, I think for me, what's really gonna help me out with this process is that I've always been like routine oriented, and um, I have a little pattern down that I'm working on right now. It's going well for me. I started off with three meal preps a week just to start doing it. And that's the most important thing too. Like really like you have to do it. Like you just have to start doing it and be consistent with it. Uh, just with anything in life, whether you're trying to learn how to play guitar, if you're trying to lose weight, whatever the situation, you just got to go and actually do it. And, um, I'm enjoying the process and <laughs> I'm not looking for immediate results. I have a long-term goal that I'm trying to do and I'm just going about it on my own terms and just trying to enjoy this process as I can because I, I, I'm not going to lie. I love food. <laughs> I'm not going to run and it's not something I'm ashamed of, but um, there's a goal that I want to reach and I'm just taking it week by week. So. That's how I look at it. I mean, as far as rewards and stuff, if you, if it's something beneficial where you can get good foods and stuff like that to stock up on, I'm, I think that's great. But um, for me, like if you're like relying on DoorDash and other stuff like that, that's probably not the best way to go about it. But hey, people are in other positions where they can afford that. I'm not. <laughs> I've been furloughed for fucking four and a half months. So, <laughs> like, for example, I, I don't cook. I, I don't. I don't know how to use a stove, but I barely just started to learn how to use a freaking air fryer. Um, and right now, I have an air fryer and a rice cooker. And right now, I'm just going off of my meal preps and, <laughs> and having breakfast every morning again. Um, but, yeah, man, the process has been going good. I really got no complaints about it. and just taking it one week at a time. So people have their own way. I have my own way of going about it and I'll see down the road how the progress is going. But, um, yeah, <laughs> shared a little bit more than I wanted to about this, uh, process that I'm going through right now, but there it is. Um, who do you think, uh, fights in a singles match on TV first in the next month, Maxine Dupree or Grayson Waller? Um, well, Grayson Waller, you know what? This is a great thing about StreamYard. <laughs> I believe in context and substance. Unlike a lot of people that own wrestling websites and do podcasts like this, uh, people have their theories about why certain things are happening. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what's going on with Grace Waller. Let, let's let Grayson tell you what's going on with Grayson Waller. Because everybody's like, oh, when's he going to start wrestling again? Well, here's the reason why. Let's hear what Grayson has to say. My last match on NXT against Camilla Hayes. I broke my leg. Clean break. Hit the fibula. But because I'm a straight-up gangster from southwestern Sydney, I kept going and I was moments away from becoming NXT champion. Fast forward two weeks. I hobble on crutches into the WWE draft. And SmackDown, with the steal of the entire draft, chooses Grayson Waller. Despite the fact that I couldn't wrestle, I could barely even walk, the reality is Grayson Waller on one leg has more value than 99% of wrestlers with two. So what did I do? Week after week on Fox, I entertained millions with the Grayson Waller effect, the hottest talk show in all of pro wrestling, rubbing shoulders with the biggest stars in the game. AJ Styles, Charlotte Flair, Asuka... 
The next tag team champion's pretty deadly. And this Friday on Fox, I have the biggest star in the entire industry, Logan Paul. But let's stop talking about the talk show for a bit because I keep seeing whatever I'm saying online. Am I just a talk show host now? If I was, I guarantee I'd be the greatest talk show host in the history of this company. But as good as I am on the Grayson Waller effect, as good as I am on the microphone, I'm better in the ring. So the question is, when am I back? Well, I have good news, but I have bad news. The bad news is, I don't know a thing to you social media flops. <laughs> See, what I've learned the last eight weeks, all the pain, all the suffering, all the rehab, doing everything I could possibly do to make sure when I come back, I'm in the best shape of my life. People online couldn't care less. The fans couldn't care less. They didn't celebrate the fact that I was on SmackDown every week. They bitched and they complained because I wasn't wrestling. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you. But the good news is you will get an answer very, very soon. It's just going to be on my time. Because that is the Grayson Waller effect. There you go. <laughs> I believe we'll see Grayson Waller back in the ring before you know it. So, you know, I'm not going to make any substance. Let's just watch the show and see what happens for them. All right, next question. Speaking of Waller, do you perform as a energetic host of the show or having in-ring rivalries? I, I think Grayson Waller can do it all. I really don't think you have to put him in one box. So I, he could be a talk show host. He could be a manager. He could have good rivalries. He's he's a uh, three-dimensional sports entertainer, and he's very good at what he does. So uh, Grayson Waller can be wherever Grayson Waller wants to be. What is your reality watch this summer, if anything? I have three, MasterChef, Gordon Ramsay's Food Stars, and Stars on Mars. Uh, honestly, uh, Mike, outside of the few WWE select like reality shows, I really don't watch that much reality TV. I have just, That's just not on my priority list. And I, that's not a cop-out answer. I'm just not really a fan of reality TV. <laughs> like, you're not going to catch me watching Temptation Island or whatever the shows are pl uh, plugging on uh, USA Network. That is a uh, no shot for me. <laughs> um, have you been to a baseball game or seen one on TV since the introduction of the pitch clock? Do you think the games fly by faster? And is that a good thing that they are faster? Uh, good question. No, I have yet to been to a baseball game yet this season. Uh, so I can't really tell if it's a better experience in the ballpark, but from watching it on TV, uh, it seems like the games are going by a little bit faster, which is good. But, um, I'm an old school baseball fan. So really the pace of the game really wasn't an issue for me. Um, I just think that the league was lacking a lot of star power and mainstream attention that he used to back in the day when I was growing up as a kid. So uh, I haven't been to a, a Sox game yet this season, so I couldn't be able to tell you what the difference is right now with this pitch clock uh, being there in the ballpark. But just from watching it on TV, it's it's going at a good pace. And, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of a difference, I guess. Not too much lollygagging. <laughs> Uh, who makes the bigger buzz this fall? AJ on ESPN with Pat McAfee or JJ joining NFL studio crew on CBS? Um, well, I can't say AJ because AJ's always been a staple of the show. I think people that are longtime fans of Pat McAfee and what he does knows what AJ Hawk is. And yeah, they're on a bigger platform, but they've already seen AJ be uh, part of the uh, college football 
simulcast uh, uh, shows that they've done during uh, the what was it the national championship game the uh, um, like the final four the football tournament stuff like that um, but <laughs> um, I think right now I'm, I'm curious to see how JJ Watt is going to do on CBS um, I think there's some potential there he's a smart guy right and um, I think he can do pretty well for himself so um yeah i'm gonna go with uh jj watt on that answer um next question you may have bias but i'm curious what is your favorite celebration in sports is it the blackhawks post goal song chelsea dagger or something else nope it's that one and by the way uh shout out to uh kyle davison and the uh chicago blackhawks for uh making some moves man i like it when i sing uh, now are, are we gonna be uh <laughs> Uh, top seed or a Stanley Cup uh, potential team yet? No, uh, we're not there yet. But make some good moves here and there. And we got our guy, Connor Bernard, got uh, drafted last night. Very nice to see. And I'm excited for the future of the team. Um, we'll have to see how the rest of the <laughs> acquisitions go down. But uh, go Hawks, uh, they're making some good moves so far. Uh, really no complaints on my end when that is concerned. <laughs> uh, with that being said, uh, let's go to the next question here. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> is the perfect game the single most difficult one-game feat in sports? I I, I think that's, that, that, that's probably a good guess there. I mean... Um, Having a perfect shooting game, I think I've seen that before. Um, I guess I, I got a single game fee, I guess, would be like breaking the all time single game uh, for touchdowns in the game. I think that'd be pretty impressive, but just collectively, because baseball is such a team oriented sport more than the others. Um, having a perfect game like that, like you're just not relying on your pitching skills, but just also the fact that you got your uh, team behind you playing really good defense and shout out to the Yankees pitcher who had the perfect game the other night. So I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Next question. What do you think of the Cubs getting a London series with the Cardinals and dominating them? Do you wish the White Sox were in the set or is it still a proud accomplishment because it's Chicago? Uh, no to those, uh, no to both. Only I'm saying that because the only good thing to come out of the London series is the fact that the Cardinals got their ass whipped. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a St. Louis fan. It doesn't matter if I'm a Cubs or a Sox fan. Uh, the Cardinals suck. St. Louis sucks. St. Louis should be turned into a parking lot. Um, so that's the best thing for it. But for me, it was cool. I got to see the Sox uh, do their thing at the, um, fuck, what was it called? Uh, uh, Field of Dreams. They they were there for Field of Dreams against the Yankees uh, a couple years ago. So I got to see that. But, yeah, that was kind of different. I didn't really watch the London uh, series with the Cubs and Cardinals. I wasn't interested. But anytime the Cardinals are getting their ass kicked, it's a good thing. So really no complaints on my end with that. Okay, next question. Uh, last one here actually says, uh, if you could only attend one WrestleMania possibly coming in the next few years, where would it be? Philadelphia, Nashville, Lot, or Min- Minneapolis? 
That's a very good question. Though I'm not a fan of the city of Philadelphia, and I think their fans are trash, um, I do like Lincoln Financial Stadium. I think it's a dope um, stadium. I want to check that out in person. Um, it's going to be a while before they're in Nashville, so that's out of the window. But if I had to make my pick, I'd probably say Minneapolis because it's closer. i never been to Minnesota before, and I like to go there. And also, their stadium is badass. Uh, U.S. Bank Stadium where the Bike Queens play. Yeah, I, I I would probably say Minnesota for sure would be my pick as far as the WrestleMania to go to. But honestly, for me right now, my, my attention is to go back to what I was doing before I got furloughed and making this an annual thing. Like, I made a promise to myself um, after... Um, I think it was the WrestleMania in um, Tampa Bay, uh, the one where it was like half the crowd. I was there for that one. I made a promise to myself that I was going to go to each WrestleMania, uh, even to the day I get the chance to work for the company. So uh, I want to get back on that. It was, it was a real bummer for me to not be in L.A. for WrestleMania this past year. Uh, not just because of Miss Now not being part of the media stuff and all that. But I wanted to see my uh, sister out in California. I wanted to go see and hang out with her for a little while. And then come back to um, uh, L.A. and do my work. Like, I was thinking about making it like a whole week thing where I could spend a couple days in Sacramento with her. And then get ready for that weekend. But it didn't come through. Lost my job. (laughs) Had Had to save my money for taxes. And... Just when that time came around, I also got to notice that I was going to get the boot for my old apartment. So I just wasn't able to make uh, L.A. happen. And it was a really bummer, especially coming off the heels of Dallas last year, where I I was able to pay off that trip on my own. And I earned that trip. Then just, you know, to come to this year's, this past year's WrestleMania, it was an awesome show. But is there some, like... I want to say boo-boo face, but is there like any like regret that I was not there? Uh, yeah, I it sucked. <laughs> Those annual trips to Mania mean a lot to me. And it's not just for uh, work-related things or boosting my ego or anything like that. It's not even that. I, it's a real great personal experience for me every time I go on these trips. And just having that freedom and time away from the city is really the most important part of the trips for me. And um, hopefully I can make Philly happen next year. That's the goal. That's the goal for sure. But I need to get my job back first. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Mike, for the questions this weekend. Also, Chris, you guys did a great job as always. If you guys want to participate in the Backports Q&A session, all you have to do is hit us up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. All right, let me take one more swig of water really quick. Okay, folks, let's include our Backports Q&A session. When we come back, let's get into what happened this week in WWE, right here on the Hoots Podcast. Yes, sir.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Hope everybody's enjoying the show so far. Ready, rocking and rolling here on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, where should we start off with? Because there's a lot to do, lot to discuss here. We got some predictions, no, to make here for uh, Money in the Bank in London. Uh, they're having SmackDown tomorrow night at the O2 Arena as well, so I'm very curious to see how that crowd is. I already see like they had like billboards and flags of the wrestlers around the surrounding area in London, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's gonna be a great weekend for uh, Mighty Bang. I think it's gonna be an awesome show to check out. And there's seven matches on the card for this uh, premium live event on Saturday afternoon. It's at um, it's at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So for those who are watching right now. And trying to figure out what money the bank is going to air. It's going to be live at 2 p.m. Central Time, which is here in Chicago. 3 p.m. out there in the, uh, in the East Coast. If you live in the West, figure it out for yourself. That's an old saying that I got from my buddy, the snowman. So, <laughs> big shout out to the snowman. Okay, um, let's start off with uh, SmackDown this past Friday night. As uh, they're in the Cajun Dome. And... You look at business numbers, ratings, selling out <laughs> stadiums, no comp tickets available. Business is booming right now for WWE. And it's a certain topic that I want to address, and I'll get to that just a little bit. Um, because, God forbid, we can't go through one week of television without some scuttlebutt and rhetoric about who's booking the show and last minute changes and blah 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 and shit that this does not matter but um i do want to start off with smackdown from last week because um yeah this these are one of these in between shows that happen when you're on the road uh from one show to the next and i think that i want to say smackdown last week was a bad show the crowd in uh lafayette was pretty good and the crowd seemed invested into it. But, you know, on the surface, you know, you didn't have Roman Reigns there. There wasn't, like, big-time matches on the line or stuff like that. You could say more or less it was a paint-by-numbers show. But I thought this past week SmackDown was good just to slightly enhance some of the feuds that are going into Money in the Bank. And more importantly, as I always said on this show, is that a lot of these weekly TV shows are just nothing more than plot points. So, yeah, it could be like a malaise sometimes. It, would this episode strike that me something I would go back to watch? Maybe not. But to say that it was a bad show or anything like that, I think that would be a lie in itself, too. So, um, the, the one big news that came out of last week's SmackDown is that Ronda and Shayna are now your unified uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. They defeated uh, the Unholy Union of Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Thought that was a pretty solid match. And then we saw the return of Liv Morgan. Uh, calm down, everybody. <laughs> Especially to the guys. Calm down. I get it. The waterfall is good, but let's calm down. <laughs> uh, she came back, and we found out that um, Liv and Raquel will be getting a rematch for the uh, tag titles because technically they never really lost the titles and it was stripped away from them. So uh, coming up on Saturday, it will be Ronda and Shayna against Liv and Raquel. And I think that'll be a pretty decent match, but uh, it was nice to see Liv back on the show. She got a good reaction from the crowd. Um, I got to say 
the uh, pretty deadly <laughs> appearance on um, the Grayson Waller effect was very, very good. Uh, those two, especially with Grayson, really fade off with each other. I always talk about maximizing TV time and pretty deadly are just talented, man. They're entertaining. <laughs> They're good at what they do as a tag team. I think they don't get enough credit for what they do in the ring because people are d- distracted by the zestiness and the like, the Zoolander aspects of Kit Wilson and Elton Prince. But they are very entertaining, and I know it's an easy consummate, but they were really made. They really do remind me a lot of Edge and Christian when they first started uh, as a tag team. Not the Brood, but when they were like. You think you know me with the kazoos and all the wacky outfits they used to wear and stuff like that? Like, that's what they remind me with uh, Pretty Deadly. And speaking of Edge, uh, Edge recently celebrated 25 years in WWE, so I want to give him a big shout-out as uh, one of the best wrestlers of all time and one of the best humans in the history of wrestling as well. Speaking of anniversaries, we're coming off the heels of 25 years of good God almighty, good God almighty. He killed him. He killed him. (laughs) Yeah, man. 25 years of the undertaker drawing Mick Foley's ass off the hell in a cell. (laughs) I can't say I vividly remember watching that live because I didn't start watching wrestling till the fall of 1998, but I did get to see that obviously in the coming years because they've shown that in the intro montage of the show during the attitude era all the time. And uh, yeah, man, one of the craziest stunts in the history of wrestling, uh, Mick Foley getting his big uh, tuckus thrown off the hell in the cell in the, uh, the igloo, the was it, the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh. Crazy. 25 years. Mama Mia. Uh, going back to Pretty Deadly, as I was making my uh, tie-ins to the 25th anniversaries and stuff like that, uh, they had a match with the Street Profits. They ended up picking the victory. Tomorrow they'll be taking on uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. That should be a fun match. Pretty Deadly uh, were mainstays on NXT UK, so I'm curious to see the um, reaction they get from the O2 crowd. And it's going to be awesome atmosphere with Kevin and Sammy. You got a clash of styles. I think we're in for a really good match tomorrow night with those guys. Same thing with Charlotte Flair and Oscar. Charlotte ran through Lacey Evans. Um, that that was just pretty much a match. And then Oscar attacked uh, Charlotte after the match was over. Uh, so it'll be Oscar and Charlotte. Anna Pierce is telling Bianca Belair, hey, we just want to keep the focus in the ring between Oscar and Charlotte to not do anything because Bianca just wanted. She just wanted to observe how things were going to go at ringside as if she wasn't going to get involved in the match. So there's going to be some shenanigans going on with that. I would not be surprised if these three ladies fight each other in a triple threat match at SummerSlam in Detroit. I would not have an issue with that. I think that would be a barn burner for a triple threat match. Um, Sign me up. (laughs) But Asuka and Charlotte tomorrow night, who do you think is going to win that match? Let me know in the comment section down below. Do you think Charlotte will become your new, um, uh, I think it's, I don't want to slip up here. Let me look at the title so I don't, <laughs> the one switch with the title names on uh, uh, for the ladies is kind of messing me up right now. Okay, so just so we're clear, Asuka is the WWE Women's Champion, 
and Rhea Ripley is the women's world champion. Okay, so this titles for the WWE Women's Championship. So who do you think would be Asuka or Charlotte coming up on Friday? Hey, don't forget. Also, we got uh, Logan Paul appearing on uh, the Grace and Water Effect. So uh, I know a lot of people say this for tradition at Monday Night Raw is to go home show for Money the Bank, but it's actually SmackDown. I don't know why people keep thinking that Raw is the go home show for all these shows. It's not. It's SmackDown. As long as WWE <laughs> has a TV deal with Fox and that's the show that's showing the most ratings, that's the most important show of the week. So I don't know why people keep saying that Monday Night Raw is the go-home show when SmackDown's on Fox and they're drawing two to two and a half million viewers a week. But what do I know? <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, let's go to the next part of the show here. Uh, we had uh, backstage, man. Solo was in the mood, coming off the heels of him, uh, Jay turning on Roman. Ridge Holland accidentally bumped into him, and then Solo proceeded to send him to the upper room, uh, send him to the gulags uh, with that Samoan spike. We got uh, Sheamus and Solo uh, as the main event. Very, very good match. Good physical type of match. And I'm glad that they're giving Solo time to have these singles matches. Yeah, maybe the premises are not ideal all the time, but you need to have them to have an identity for himself in the ring that's not always tied in in a tag match or some brawl or something. So, like, you have Solo in the ring with a guy like Sheamus, physical match no guys were harmed because it ended up in the disqualification uh solo put sheamus through the uh barricade at ringside out comes the usos the older brothers are <laughs> giving the beats to the little brother double super kick jumps bam, and uh, a double loose bam <laughs> and then nice little send-off in the cajun dome so all in all solid smackdown from lafayette louisiana this past friday night we go into Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Uh, very uh, physical show as well from Savannah, Georgia. Now, I- I'll be honest with you guys. I- I'm <laughs> Sometimes I'm befuddled by the places that WWE chooses to bring these Raw-specific shows television-wise because they be having these most random places <laughs> with shitty crowds. But that was not the case this time. I got to give a big shout out to the crowd in Savannah, Georgia for that end market arena. Fantastic. From the start of the show, booing Dom out the building, the reactions for Shinsuke. Uh, this stuff, Savannah in general was a very, very good crowd. And this benefited a lot for what happened on Raw because... If you look at what happened on Raw on paper, again, going back to the point I was saying earlier about SmackDown, it could be like a paint-by-numbers show, but I thought there was some really good, effective stuff on TV this week in general, especially on Raw. I thought Raw was Smackdown, I thought Raw was better than SmackDown this week, and Raw drew 1.9 million viewers this week. <laughs> and trust me, I'm getting close to what I really want to get to with this segment because God forbid we can't go through one week of television about people talking about Vince McMahon and blah, 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 blah. Let the show dictate what's actually going on. Like, <laughs> just give me a couple of seconds before I go on that rant, okay? Because I do want to put over the show and keep it positive here. Um, Dominic, again, 
Master Hill Jones, Cody again, uh, big big pop from his home state. Uh, Cody is saying that Dom's a scared little boy. That is going to be an interesting match on uh, Saturday. Cody and Dominic. I'm excited to see that atmosphere. London crowds uh, booing Dominic out of the country. I, t- I said it before, man. <laughs> if you're going to the show at the O2 Arena, please, I'm begging you. If you're going to Money to Make on Saturday, guys, do me a favor. You guys remember the old Zach Gibson? If you hate Gibson, shoes off. If you hate Gibson, shoes off. Like <laughs> that old chant, do it for Dominic. So the, I'm not, this is not a shoe. So this is not a great example, but you get the gist here. If you hate Dominic shoes off, if you hate Dominic shoes off, if you hate Dominic shoes off, that's an old soccer chant that's out there. And I heard it on NXT UK. And every time I, they would do these UK takeovers, they would do the piss off Zach Gibson. Cause he was a great heel. And, um, I think that would work really good for Dominic as well. So I'm kind of curious to see the reaction that Dominic gets. I'm so tired of these folks. They're piping in booze for Dominic. No, they're not. (laughs) Suddenly, wrestling fans are music experts on theme songs. They're expert on uh, audio production and television crowd sweetening, piped in noise, and they're also experts on writing a television show. Only professional wrestling fans. They think they have the answers to every fucking thing in the wrestling business. <laughs> um, let's continue on here with Raw. Ricochet and Nakamura, very good match. Ricochet won the Shooting Star Press. Uh, the Finn Balor uh, video package that you guys heard in the beginning of the audio version of the podcast this week was very, very good. Uh, very effective promo. I really love the point that they brought up where Finn was walking up from the stage when he relinquished the title and with context Seth was being a heel at the time and laughing at him when he was coming down the the ramp I remember that I remember that when uh, Finn dropped the title the night after SummerSlam excuse me I remember that so I was good that they brought that from a context point of view and then <laughs> we get uh, uh, Seth out there. He's putting over Carmelo Hayes. We're getting to see some more of these NXT performers uh, get to get some spotlight on Raw before they make that next stop, which I think is a good business move. By the way, shout out to Carmelo Hayes and Barrett Corbin for a barn burner on Tuesday. Holy moly, that match was sick. Like, go... If anybody's telling you that Baron Corbin cannot wrestle, go watch that match on NXT. I, I, I have the song to say about that, but just as here to build up uh, Finn and Seth. This match is going to be physical. I don't think it's going to be more. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like your indie five star wrestling match, but this match has a different vibe to it and has it's more personal than just a match just to have a match. Uh, I don't think this match will close out the pay-per-view, but this match is going to get a lot of time, and it's going to be a grudge feel. It's going to be very physical. I think it'll be a 20, 25-minute match, but uh, they're adding stock to this Finn Balor and uh, Seth Rollins program, and I'm excited to see what happens on Saturday. The Finn Balor video package, if you have not seen it yet, it's on the WWE YouTube channel. It's very, very good. If you're into like that context and continuity and stuff like that and those 
long-term stories, uh, go check it out. It's very, very good. Finn explained why he's bitter and jaded and stuff like that. I thought, I thought it was very good. Um, Miz got his come-ups on Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, looks like they're going to have a match. I don't know if they're going to fight at SummerSlam, but the good thing with Ciampa is that we're not pretending that Champa was not under the Miz's thumb the last time we saw him before he got injured. So I guess you want to get this retribution feud, if you call it that, out of the way. And it's just smart, effective stuff. So, no, you're not expecting Miz and Champa to be on a four-month feud with each other. But there is loose ends to tie. We can't just act like, oh, <laughs> Champa had nothing to do with the Miz. Randomly shows up back with... No one will survive. Like, that's just like insulting the intelligence of your audience. So, um, I'm happy to see Champa back on my TV screen. And uh, Champa and Miz will probably have a pretty lengthy match on Raw soon. And that'll be the grudge of their uh, matchup. Uh, the the grunts of their feud is what I'm saying. Uh, Gunther defeated Sami Zayn, a very good match. Uh, it was made official that Gunther will fight uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, no, my bad. Gunther will fight Matt Riddle for the Intercontinental Championship at Money in the Bank. You couldn't, you could not have this premium live event in London and not have Gunther there. Like <laughs> that, that would have been blasphemous. So I'm glad that Gunther is getting a chance to defend the IC title. That that match too could steal the show on Saturday. That's going to be awesome. The card in general for Money in the Bank on Saturday is very, very good. And um, like what I've seen so far. Uh, and then we have the main event. Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest. Another good match. Uh, good TV main event. Cody won with the crossroads. Dominic snuck in a, a cheap shot. And that's how the show went off the air. So all in all, I thought Raw this week was better than SmackDown. And um, Excited to see what goes down with SmackDown tomorrow night as we got the Travel Cheap back. We got the two title matches. We got Logan Paul on the Grayson Waller effect. SmackDown should be pretty interesting tomorrow night on Fox. I'm kind of curious to see how that atmosphere is going to be. It's kind of similar to how it was in Puerto Rico uh, before Backlash. So uh, I think we're in for some good TV tomorrow night. And, of course, the Travel Chiefs there. Of course we'll get good TV. He actually delivers. <laughs> Oh, man. Before I make my predictions for this premium live event, because that's why you're all here. That's the title of this week's episode. I need to get this off my chest. I can give two shits whether or not Triple H, Nick Khan, Ari Emanuel, or Vince McMahon is booking or doing or having any responsibility with creative repeat i don't care whether or not triple h or vince mcmahon is in control of creative or bruce pritchard or the road dog whoever the fuck i do not care i don't watch wrestling for booking so i don't know why all of you do it, it doesn't make sense to me to find reasons to not enjoy a product because a certain person is writing a show when that should not be the focus of the show you're watching in the first place. I don't watch movies and thinking about the director or the script writers the entire time or a TV show like Friends or How I Met Your Mother. 
I don't think about that when I'm trying to watch the show for what it is. Can I have my assessments? Can I have my critiques? Can I have things that I may like or dislike? Sure. But if you're watching the entire show with a fucking expector pad and looking for a little DC, oh, see, that's a Vince McMahon decision. Oh, oh, Triple H wouldn't do that. Oh, Vince wouldn't do that. So, okay, <laughs> Vince, I'm following along here because it's like a circus with the reporting regarding this situation, right? Because, man, every dirt sheet site is on Vince Watch to the highest degree. So, supposedly, when Finn attacked Seth Rollins at the beginning of Raw, not this past Monday, but the Monday before that, right? Like, it was supposed to be Rollins and Champa for the Open Challenge. Then it ended up being uh, Rollins attacking Finn at the beginning of the show. I thought that was a good decision. Most of the people consensus agree with that. They added some steam and edge back to Finn that he needed heading into this premium live event, right? So supposedly that was a Vince decision. Then we get to Friday about suddenly last minute changes. People backstage were upset. We're going to have this big meeting with Nick Khan and Triple H to try to Vince proof things and yada, yada, yada. And I'm, I'm looking at this from multiple people reporting on this situation. And I'm sitting here asking myself, who gives two shits? Let this show show you whether or not it's good or not. I don't care. We should not care as wrestling fans who's booking a show or not. Hence why most of the time when I talk about AEW, my talking about AEW is what I see on my TV screen. My analyzing skills or my expertise is watching and covering the show as it is. I don't care who's sleeping with who backstage. I don't care who's writing what. I don't care who's a favorite or who's in the doghouse or who has heat or blah, 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 blah. Who gives a fuck about that shit? I don't watch wrestling for that. So why do you? Why, why is that so important to you? Why is it so important whether or not Vince McMahon is making decisions via Zoom or he's backstage at a Gorilla? Oh, God forbid, the chairman of a company that he started is doing his fucking job. Oh, it's, it's earth-shattering news that the chairman, the guy that founded WWE, is at his own put, is at his, the flagship show of the company that he started. Like, it, 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 it's like, oh... It shocks people. Again, whether you're a fan of Vince McMahon's flavor of booking or Triple H's flavor of booking, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about booking. That's not why I watch professional wrestling. I don't know why that why that matters to you so much. Are you responsible for the booking of this premium live event on Saturday? Are you responsible for how the road to SummerSlam is booked? Are you responsible for how we get to Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes 2 at WrestleMania 40 next year? I'm not saying to not have dialogue and want to guess where these are going. But when you go to the extremes like this and... Relying on these twats that have sources that leaking the formats of the show and spoiling on, oh, who's who's this person highly favored to win Blaine in the bank and stuff like that. It kind of defeats the purpose of watching wrestling in the first place. Because as that happens, you're going to watch the show and say this is predictable because I saw somebody tweet about this on Twitter. 
and then it happens, and then you blame the company for being predictable. Why are you going out of your way to spoil the show for yourself? Like, somebody make that make sense to me. I, I don't get it. And this strange thing with uh, WWE where people refer to WWE as, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this. That's, if this WWE some strange ex-lover for wrestling fans, I, I just don't get it. Especially wrestling Twitter. <laughs> like, whether you are a fan of their style of wrestling or not, the facts don't lie. They're drawing numbers growingly year over year. Merchandise, selling out stadiums, selling out weekly TV shows. Obviously, something is going on good. Is everything great? No. Is there things that can be fixed? Sure. But, God, man, we can't go through a week without, oh, see, that's a Vince Man decision. Oh, that's a Triple H decision. Oh, see, now Kevin Dunn is... Um, <laughs> Kevin Dunn is bringing his fucking Bucky Beaver nose into the, he's uh, peckering his head into creative decisions. You know, like <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get this fascination where we need to talk about booking every single day. Oh, backstage says Vince is ripping uh ripping up uh scripts. Wow, and water is wet. I don't get it. I'm not telling people to not have critiques or, you know, try to guess where things are going. That's usually a good sign of a television show when you have questions and you're trying to figure out where things are going from one angle to the next. But all this hoopla about whether or not Triple H is responsible for the money to bank lineup or what triple, uh, what missing man is doing or Bruce or whoever, like, why do you care? That's not important. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about Vince Russo when I was watching the shows during the Attitude Era. But to each his own, I guess. Let's make some predictions here for uh, Money in the Bank. All right. Men's Money in the Bank contract ladder match has Ricochet, Nakamura, LA Knight, Santos, Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, and Logan Paul. I have... Logan Paul winning the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, my wild card pick there will be LA Knight. Uh, Money in the Bank ladder match for the women's ass contract will be uh, the participants are Selena Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, EO Sky, and Trish Stratus. My pick will be EO Sky to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. And then Selena Vega will be my wild card pick. Cody Rose versus Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley at ringside. I believe Dominic will and should defeat Cody Rhodes with the help of Brock Lesnar. Uh, Dominic will defeat Cody. It'll be a great atmosphere. I'm very excited for that match. Uh, I believe Ronda and Shayna will retain their women's tag team titles over Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Same thing with Gunther and Matt Riddle. Gunther will retain and remain your Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Perry will beat down Matt Riddle after the match. And here's my big guess here. Randy Orton will help save Matt Riddle after the match at Money in the Bank. And that's going to be a big pop. 
So I think they're really going to go all out on this pay-per-view and get a lot of buzz and momentum going into SummerSlam. So I think Randy is showing up at the premium live event on uh, Saturday. That's my guess. And then um, the main event, I have Roman Reigns and Solo defeating the Usos. One way or another, Roman and Solo will defeat the Usos. So those are my predictions for Money in the Bank coming up on Saturday. And that concludes my thoughts on what happened this week in WWE. But with all that being said, it's time for the main event. It's scheduled for one fall with an unlimited time limit. And if you're easily offended, that's a you problem, not a me problem. Anyways, it's time for everybody's favorite segment here on the Hoots Podcast, as especially known as What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Let's start this bad boy off in a three, a two, a one. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. 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 I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time as now. My time is right. God damn now. Man, what intensity. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Beat your meat. Beat. Nope. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with AW? Another week and the same old question. Here's my response. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Alright then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. this shit, I'm out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the week where everybody's waiting for. Uh, what the hell is wrong with AW? Well, I'll tell you this. There's good, there's bad, and there's real, real ugly this week. Let's start off big here before I get into my thoughts in the pay-per-view that happened on Sunday because there's some good stuff that went down on the show on uh, Sunday that I enjoyed in I'm for the most part I've been enjoying what I've seen so far for uh AW Collision. We're only two episodes in and I think it'd be unfair for me. Like it would be obvious if I would have an agenda towards AW if I was just shitting all over Collision for the last two episodes, but I haven't. I was there for the first one at the United Center. I got to see the last one uh on Saturday. And from what I've seen so far it's been mostly enjoyable and uh, commentary does make a difference, and I think Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness deserve a lot of credit. I think the pace of the show has been good. The presentation of the show has been good. And it's not only strictly due to CM Punk why uh, Kalich has been having a good vibe. But with that being said, Collision and Forbidden Door to the side, 
there are content problems, and there's a lot of content problems on Dynamite, which is your flagship show, and we're about to enter the fourth year of Dynamite being a television show this fall. And whether people want to choose to acknowledge that fact or not, uh, that's out of my control. But that's why you listen to the Hoots Podcast, because we're keeping it straight. Uh, here's the deal. Forbidden Door, uh, I there's matches I enjoyed. Um, you know, you had the Jack Perry turn on Hook, which I'll get into just a little bit. Um, he lost his match with Sonata. Really, what stood out to me is how the difference between Sonata and um, Jack Perry. I, like, Jack is not even on Sonata's level in the ring. And I thought that was not a good outing for him. But there was other stuff that happened on the show. For example, there was four pre-show matches, which is insane. Uh, the show started off with NGF retaining over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Attacked him with the Dynamite Ring. Uh, retained in 15 minutes, 30 seconds. Uh, we saw CM Punk defeat uh, Kojima in the opening round match of the Owen Hart men's uh, tournament. Thought that was a solid match. I mean, for the three ma- matches in with Punk so far, it's been good. Um, being out the reacts from the crowd, a little different than it obviously is here in Chicago, so that should be something to mon- monitor as the weeks go by. But so far, so good for Punk, especially in the ring, more importantly than the microphone. I think um, he's just letting his work speak for himself, and he's feeding off the reaction of the crowd, and, you know, that the greats are able to do that no matter how long you're off the TV or if you're coming off an injury when you have that much experience like Punk has you get he can adapt to different crowds and stuff like that and he's he hasn't embarrassed himself in the ring yet since he's returned so uh from what I've seen so far it's been impressive and it looks like he's having fun and I thought it was a solid match with him in uh Kojima uh, from there, uh, we had the four-way match for the International Championship. I'm sorry. Uh, I love uh, Sack Sabre Jr. and Shibata, but Pockets retaining the International Championship does nothing for me. I'm not an Orange Cassidy fan. I cannot take him seriously. I cannot suspend my disbelief as I see him wrestle. I think he's very generic in the ring. He has a cute gimmick that's over with the crowd, so I won't take that away from him. But as far as wrestling and me taking it seriously, I just can't. I can't do it. And I want to enjoy I want to enjoy his work, but when you have two people in the ring that are light years better than him in the ring, and they have to sell to this guy as if he's the second coming of Shawn Michaels, I just <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I, I I I don't get Orange Cassidy, and I probably never will, and that and that's okay too. Um, but for there, we had the ten man tag that I told you that I really enjoyed. Um, the Elite ended up defeating uh, the Blackpool Cuckoo Club as Ishii uh, sent Wheeler useless to the Gulags. Loved seeing that. Uh, Tony Storm retained against Will Nightingale, kind of a mid match. Uh, will Osprey and Kenny Olivier. Let's talk about that. Uh, big big time match. A lot of praise for this match. All right, here's my thoughts on Olivier and Will Ospreay from Forbidden Door. I really enjoyed the match. Yes, Stevie Wonder can figure that out. That this was a fantastic match. Uh, the crowd brought a lot of great en- energy into it. I preferred the first match more, and 
the biggest reason because of that was the fact of the the emphasis of Don Cow towards the end of the match and making the referee look stupid really took me out of the match. There's a lot of great spots. There's a lot of controversy over this Tiger Driver 91 thing. But this match went on for 30 minute, 39 minutes, almost 40, right? And there, there's a lot of violence. Both guys were bleeding. It was a physical match. The crowd were buying into the false finishes, especially when Olivier kicked out of the one-winged fairy from uh, Will Ospreay stealing his move but as much as i enjoyed the match and it's fantastic and all that i think a lot of us as wrestling fans overused the phrase match of the year and just from a preference point of view i enjoyed the match more at the tokyo dome than i did this one in toronto and i'm not knocking the crowd for toronto for reacting the, the way they were uh i think that's cool that they're enjoying the experience, but for me, there was a lot more nuance and story for me that just really resonated more to me from the Tokyo Dome match with less crowd noise than this one, and also the fact that again, I'm sorry, like I I want to come in here and give bountiful this a platitude of bouquets and flowers to both Will and Kenny, and they deserve. A, a big, big amounts of praise, and rightfully so, but all this stuff, like, you eject Don Callis from ringside, you you eject Don Fowles, you, no, let's scrap that, that's a coronet thing, you eject Moby from ringside, the singer Moby, that's Don Callis, so you, you eject Moby from ringside, and then Moby comes back to ringside, and brings his beak into the match and the referee's still doing nothing, still allowing him to interfere and put, uh, I think was it Osprey's foot on the rope or something like that. Like, do you have any credibility, Paul Turner? What the fuck's going on here? Like I can understand Aubrey Edwards allowing doing that because she's blind as a bat, but Paul Turner, you're like the lead official. What are you doing? You eject the guy, and he makes you look like a fucking schmuck by coming back into the ring and <laughs> interfering and literally dragging down the momentum of the story that Osprey and Omega was telling in the ring. Again, I'm not surprised that these two had a, a classic wrestling match and a classic brawl and a classic grudge match or whatever you want to call this match from uh, Forbidden Door. It was fantastic. I thought it was very good. But I, I'm sorry, like all this stuff with Don Callis and making Paul Turner look like an idiot just took me out of the match. So, and also hindered my enthusiasm for seeing Osprey defeat Olivier because I wanted him to defeat Olivier. And it ended up happening. Osprey won with the Stormbreaker after a couple of hidden blades. And um, he is your new. IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Fantastic match, but um, I don't know, man. Sometimes you just gotta let shit breathe and let the match settle itself. It happened at uh, the Tokyo Dome. (laughs) 
And then the Tokyo Dome. So why, why, why we need Don Fallis to I- interfere with this match? Why? Because it's an AW angle. I, I, that, that just wasn't the right call for me there. I, I, I was not crazy about that one bit. Um, much to the surprise of absolutely nobody. Um, <laughs> it was mostly a dominant night for uh, AEW wrestlers over New Japan wrestlers. Uh, case in point, uh, Brian Karen Danielson uh, defeated Okada by submission. Um, thoughts and prayers go out to Brian as he suffered a fractured forearm. Uh, you'll be out for six to eight weeks. That could go up to 10 to 12 weeks. Um, speedy recovery goes out to Brian. I thought they had a good match. Uh, you know, to follow up that match with Osprey and Olivier would be obviously hard to do, but these guys went for 27 minutes. Brian Danielson made Okada tap out. Um, the reason I'm skipping over the uh, trios match that preceded this main event is because there's really not much to say, and I, there's more pertinent stuff that I want to address with Sting and Chris Jericho than this sloppy trios match that they had at Forbidden Door. But, um, you know, seeing Brian get the final countdown entrance was really cool. Seeing that song again was really cool. I got to tell you, I'm not really a fan of the, oh, boom, 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 boom. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in chant. Like, I, I'm not, I've never been a fan of that. <laughs> I, one, it sounds, it's offbeat. And two, it sounds corny as shit. As corny as Jungle Boy's, oh, I get fat checks and I'm still banging the big, uh, biggest bitch in the planet or the or in the company or whatever the hell he said. I don't know. That chant is just. Jojo Dutch. <laughs> but uh, all in all, I thought Forbidden Door was a good show. Uh, I thought it was a good pay-per-view. I did not pay for it. I did not <laughs> I did not pay for it. But um solid night overall. Um I put over collision, so we talked about that, right? Let's get into Dynamite last night because oh man. <laughs> Mamma mia, do we have problems, ladies and gentlemen? We do. Let me take a swig of water really quick. All right. So Dynamite was in uh, Hamilton, Ontario last night. And we had the show starting off with John Moxley and Tormahiro Ishii, a rematch of the match that happened in the G1 Climax Tournament uh, in a few years ago. Uh, I remember that match. That match was very good. They were flying all over Cork and Hall. That match was insane. Go to uh, New Japan World if you haven't seen that match. Um, Anyways. Okay. You guys know how I feel about Plumber Moxley and cosplay Stone Cold. Uh, I'm not a fan. I think his style of wrestling ever since he's gone to AEW has been reduced to shit. Uh, I think he's a... not even a ripoff of Stone Cold. I really think that Moxley is a ripoff of Minoru Suzuki. And it's like you get your CZ elements. You get your little sprinkle of Stone Cold. Your sprinkle of uh, Brian Pillman. You sprinkle it of Suzuki. And that's what you get with John Moxley. And I, you know, I've talked about him. You know, you can't go through one Moxley match without him seeing him being bleeding or having the crimson mask. Like... I can have the exception to the rule with that, especially with this one, because it's Ishii and it's believable that Ishii can make Moxley bleed. But again, I have to raise the point. 
does it make you a good wrestler if you have to bleed and have a 20 minute match I mean <laughs> I it, it just amazes me the presentation of Moxley and AW in New Japan is so vastly different where I can take him more seriously in New Japan when but when it's the AEW stuff it's it's like a three ring circus with this dude Always got to bleed. Always got to have the same style of match. Think he's a tough guy. Cut the tough guy promo. I don't take him seriously, nor do I take him seriously as a tough guy. Oh, great. You choose to blade yourself in every other match. That makes me think that you're a tough guy. Oh, because you do this. You got these weird shoulder motions, and you got the angry face, and you come out to Wild Thing. Am I supposed to believe that you're the Charlie Sheen of professional wrestling? No. So, Moxley has his match with Ishii. Having to see Ishii on the show, of course. But um, he lost to the Death Rider. BCC starts taunting Ishii. And then out comes uh, Eddie Kingston. They got their issues going on with each other. This is one of the few things I liked from Dynamite last night. It was a little backstage segment with uh, uh, Plumber Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Renee Young. I thought that was very good. Um, another funny line from the show was MJF um, <laughs> running into Adam Cole and Roderick Strong backstage. And he's like, hey, what's up, generic white guy? <laughs> That's fucked up, but... You can understand Max saying that to somebody, and is she lying? Is he lying though about Roderick Strong? I'm, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, so Roderick Strong will be taking out some old Joe uh, collision on Saturday. Then here comes the nonsense. Look at this random matchup that just popped out of Tony Khan's ass uh, yesterday. Pockets, Keith Lee, and El Hijo del Vikingo against the Jericho January 6th Appreciators, Daniel Garcia, Angelo Parker, and Daddy Magic Matt Menard. This match was the shits. Literally, this match gave me a headache as I was watching it. Uh, Yeah, Keith Lee has some nice uh, displays of strength. But for the most part, I thought the match was ass, a waste of time, mid, and and, and I mean it, the word mid, to the highest degree. Uh, went match went way too long, but again, this is AW. We need 20-minute pocket matches every single week. We got some backstage drama with uh, Hangman Page and the Dark Order. Uh, I guess you want to... Add into that loose end of continuity, so not really a big issue for me from that point of view. Um, then we had we ended up having the match with the elite against the Dark Order. The elite ended up winning the match. After that, the Blackpool Cuckold Club attacked the elite. Now we're going to be having a uh, blood and guts match with um, the BCC and the elite and Eddie Kingston at. Um, Boston Garden, TD Garden on July 19th. So, not surprised there that we're having a Blood and Guts match. It is Moxley, so what else is new? But I ask you this question. Are you still interested in this BCC, the Elite feud? Because I'm not. (laughs) 
like the saving grace for me is that we're having this blood and guts match and we can finally move on to more pertinent stuff. But the only interest I have from this whole scenario is the stuff with Moxley and Kingston. Outside of that, the rest is the rest of it is just there. And all of us know, like <laughs> we're just stringing along here until the elite start fighting with FTR and punk. Right. So what kind of purpose do they serve on the show now? And I, this is the thing with AEW where they have views that way overstay their welcome. You can talk all you want about WWE rushing through programs left and right and script changes. Shit, <laughs> at least their feuds and uh, at least the factions and the storylines that are good are worthy of going the lengths that they do. Here at AEW, you can have a feud for nine fucking months. Like uh, like Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, and now they're tag team partners again for this dumbass blind eliminated tournament. And this is the thing, wet. Like, let's let's use like football. Let's use a football analogy here. And this is what it is for me. Like for AW, I I put over Collision. I put over Forbidden Door. I went to the Collision show. I watched AEW tweak. I want it to be good. I am an AEW fan. I want it to be good. But where's the follow-up? So you go for Forbidden Door where people are saying, hey, man, this is an awesome pay-per-view. This is one of the best shows that AEW's ever produced. And then you go to Dynamite, and the show's ass. This is your flagship show. It's like... For example, okay, let's say the Bears defeated a big team on Sunday Night Football, right? And then the following week, they get their ass kicked by the Houston Texans or what other shitty team I can bring up here? Uh, the the Atlanta Falcons or um, who else? What other crappy team I can bring up here? <laughs> or... Like like this one, okay? So the Bears defeat. They had this big Sunday night football victory over the uh, Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium, right? Then we go to the next week, and they get their ass kicked by the Washington Commanders. Like, they don't show up. It's just lethargic. It's like they have no passion. There's really no rhyme or reason for... <laughs> Their performance, it's like you just, you're left dumbfounded. And we always talk about the follow-up, the follow-up from a good show. And then you go to your flagship show, and it's just ass. You got people bleeding. You have two trios matches back-to-back. Both of them are ass. Both of them are shitty, are, are done with brutal officiating. Much to the surprise of absolutely nobody. And then... <sighs> I have to get into this now because this is just absolutely insane to me. Nobody's going to talk about this, so I'll say this here. Really quick. Um, I want to give shout-out to Ruby Soho. I want more positive thing here for this week from AEW. I thought her promo on uh, Dynamite last night was very good. Okay? So I thought Ruby's stuff was good. Okay? No harm, no foul there. All right. <laughs> So we have the Texas Tornado match as the main event. It's Sting and Darby Allen against Sammy Guevara and the Painmaker, Chris Jericho. This was the much show part of the week for professional wrestling. When is people are going to finally start hold, holding Tony Khan uh, uh, responsible or accountable 
for allowing Chris Jericho to do whatever the fuck he wants on television without having the filter attached to him. Like, seriously. When are people going to start calling out to, uh, Chris Jericho for the fact that he over-abuses his TV time with shitty matches and shitty angles and shitty promos and just bad television in general? I respect the guy. He's a legend. I was a big fan of Chris Jericho, but for the last, I'll say almost last two and a half years, especially in this run with AW, his feuds, his matches, the stuff that we saw last night has been pure and other ass. Chris Jericho needs a break from TV. It's not good television. We had a shitty ass trios match on, on Sunday. Here we go to Wednesday, where the match is not as good. It's it's a clusterfuck, just like all AEW tag team matches. Then we have Sting using his wisdom at 64 years old to do a reckless spot by jumping off a ladder off uh, off a ladder to to a table to the outside. For what? For what purpose? Just recklessly and stupidly, you have a 64-year-old man that had nearly had his career ended by an unfortunate accident in the match with Seth Rollins about five or six years ago. You have him doing stupid-ass ladder spots at the outside. For what purpose? Is this is all this necessary just to prove points to Triple H that oh see here we here in AW we treated Sting better than oh WWE treated Sting in WWE oh because Sting lost the match to Triple H at WrestleMania 31 see uh, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that Sting gets what he wants to do to have the matches him never lose a match him never sell anything never sell a table spot never sell shit like. Is this is that the whole point of Sting and AEW to do reckless shit to destroy his body just to prove a point that dirt sheet marks care about? I I don't need to see Sting wrestle anymore, and I have next to zero interest of seeing him against Chris Jericho at All In. So unless we're having Sting and Darby Allen as the one-on-one match as it should have been the entire time to write this motherfucker off our TV screens, stop having him wrestle. Okay? You're embarrassing yourself. You really are. You're embarrassing your company. You're embarrassing your fans by having that be the main event of your flagship show looking no more than an IWA Mid-South show with freaking... Hacksaw Jim, Dug- uh, Jim Duggan and other indie jabronis. That's what that match looked like last night. You're on TBS on worldwide television, and you're still trying to convince people at Warner Dis- Warner Discovery to give you this big extension, a new TV deal. Yeah, you could carry, you could dangle that carrot of CM Punk all you want, but there are problems with your product. It's not just Rampage, because that's that's beating a dead horse. There's issues with your flagship show. 
You got a 52-year-old egomaniac abusing his TV time with feuds and matches nobody gives two shits about. Hey, I could draw the line with Nick Gage. I get it. He has independent buzz. I could get I could even put a blind eye to it, even though I didn't care about that match. But when you're doing reckless, stupid shit like the stuff with Eddie Kingston, the barbed wire everywhere match, or this match here with Sting, or bringing Sabu and his ignorant racist ass, like, what are we doing here? And this is why I talk about having the boys in the locker, not in the locker room, but in the boardroom and creative room and have the boys be behind the creative and all this stuff with WCW in the back in the day. It's stupid. Who says no to Chris Jericho? Sure as hell ain't going to be Meltzer's number one fan. It's embarrassing. Nobody will call out Chris Jericho on his shit because Jericho could do no wrong because people still sing his shitty ass song. But I had to sit there and try to put a blind eye to this every week. Because, oh my god, it's Chris Jericho! Oh my god, it's Sting! They're fighting each other! They never had a match with each other! Even though the last time they interacted with each other was 26 years ago! Who gives a fuck? So, I... I I, I just don't get it. <laughs> what are we accomplishing here? You, you really want to mess up Sting? And have them long-term damage? You guys should be embarrassed of yourselves. Seriously. I don't know. I don't know what else to say, man. That tornado match to be the main event of your flagship show this past uh, Wednesday night is the basis of the segment in the first place. And so we pose the question each and every single week. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Tony Khan, you should be ashamed of yourself. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right. One more fuck thing. this shit, I'm out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, one more thing to do here before we wrap up this show for this week. I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me so far. So far. Um. All right. Here, here's the deal. Um, the clown of the week. is Jungle Boy Jack Perry is the reason why I excluded him from the what the hell is wrong with AEW segment this week because I need you to see this for yourself and I'll give you my thoughts about it after this but seriously this was the dumbest promo I may have heard this entire year and this is worthy enough for being the clown of the week so sit back and try to enjoy the best you can (laughs) here we go Ladies and gentlemen, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Stop, stop, stop right now. Turn that garbage off. 
you know, you all have ruined that song for me to the point that we're never going to hear it again. You know what? Boo all you want. It does not change the fact. You see, I got a car right back there waiting to take me to the airport. And all of you are stuck here with the wildfires. I'm still young, I'm still cashing fat checks, and I am still banging the hottest bitch in this entire place! <laughs> My god. Let's take a look at that again. That right there, my friends, is the clown of the week. Like, <laughs> I get it, bro. You're a heel now. You're angry at the fans. And first off, Christian Cage wants his jacket back. And two, if you need to brag about who you're banging, like, you better hope that that relationship that you got with Anna J is exclusive. I'm not going to come in here and try to slander the young lady. I'm a fan of her work. I think she's fantastic as a person, and I think she has a bright future out of her. I'm not taking any digs at her, but here's the deal. You're a heel. You're you're proclaiming that you're being the baddest bitch in, the, uh, in, in your entire company. I, I think that's Cap in the first place. But anyways, like, <laughs> she's a beautiful lady, but that's besides the point. You better hope that's an exclusive thing and she's not hooking up with someone else because that would be a bad look. Here I am cutting a promo and little to, you know, she's probably hooking up with somebody else. I'm not saying that's the case, but you have to, there are treacherous waters to get into when you're doing that. First off, the line in general is corny as shit. You're saying that <laughs> I'm better than you because I get fat checks and I'm being the hottest chick in the place. Okay. Great. Awesome. What else is there to you? What 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 is it to what is it? What's so great about Jack Perry after the bell rings? What's so great about Jack Perry after he picks up a microphone? Jack Perry, you conduct yourself in a Jack Assian manner. You're not a heel. You're a clown. That's why you're the clown of the week this week. It's a stupid promo. It's not good, man. <laughs> that that's the best you got. Oh, I get I got fat checks. I steal Christian Cage's wardrobe, and I'm begging Anna Jane. Good for you, bro. Good for you, man. You are such a tough guy, man. I'm so intimidated by Jack Perry because he has sex with Anna Jane. Awesome. That that that's that's. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> and I'm not begrudging you. I mean, good for you. There's a lot of people that would like to participate in that as well. Maybe behind your back, maybe some people are, but you never know. But again, if, that, if that's the best that you got, I said this before, but keep all microphones. Keep all of these away from Jack Perry. I, I have 
don't care what you have to say. Your promos don't mean shit whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. You're generic as hell in the ring. And you need to get a clue, my man, because bragging about Anna J is only going to get you so far. <laughs> because guess what? Why is she out there on TV with you? Are you going to out-trump Jericho? Because here's the deal. You joining the January 6th appreciators. <laughs> I can see it right now. Jungle Boy uh, replaces Sammy Guevara in the uh, January 6th appreciated uh, society. I can see that a mile away. And then we get a tug of war. Will be Chris Jericho and <laughs> his long loss of banging blonde chicks in their 20s and 30s against Jungle Boy, Pac, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. With no charisma, no personality, a generic wrestling style. The feud of the ages, ladies and gentlemen. There's one thing I forgot to do for what the hell's wrong at AW and I owe it to you guys. So let's take a sip of water really quick. And it's our X-Men impression. Here we go. <laughs> Coming to you live on Rampage tomorrow night on TNT. It's Johnny TV and QT Marshall taking on the team of Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. Sean Beers returns to in reaction, taking on the blade. Hikaru takes on Taya Valkyrie. And our main event for the Ring of Honor World Championship is Claudio Castanoli of the Blackpool Comic Club taking on Commander. And coming up this Saturday night on Collision on TNT, it's opening core final action in the Old Heart Tournament. We have three of those matches here for you. Ricky Starks taking on Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold. From there, we have Powerhouse Hobbs taking on the natural Dustin Rhodes. And, of course, we got Samoa Joe against Roderick Strong. Also coming up on Saturday night on TNT is the TBS Championship Open Challenge. It's the champion Chris Sandlander taking on Lady Frost. And, of course, your AEW World Champion, MJF, will make his in-ring debut for AEW Collision. Get all your tickets right now at AWTix.com. That's AWTix.com. <laughs> all right. So we did the Clown of the Week, and we just did the Action Man Impression. On that note, we're going to get the hell out of here <laughs> before I get canceled. Um, I want to thank you guys for so much for hanging out with me. This is a fun episode of the Who's Podcast. appreciate the support each and every single week. Make sure to follow me at Twitter if you like at the Who's Podcast. I'm on Instagram at uh, Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast right now on YouTube so you never miss uh, an episode or any other bonus content that we drop here on our YouTube channel. Also, subscribe and follow the show on Spotify. Uh, we're, we're about 200,000 uh, downloads away from reaching 300. Uh, not not 300, uh, reaching a million downloads on uh, Anchor, which is pretty cool. We're very appreciative of support as that countdown continues. And we're on the countdown to 400 episodes of the Hoots Podcast. So I appreciate the support, everybody. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I love you guys. This has been episode 367 of the Hoops Podcast. Make sure to enjoy Money in the Bank coming up this weekend. And uh, we'll be here next week to recap it right here on the Pod of Hoops. Yes, sir. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Bye-bye, bitch.